Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sound Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. The place where we talk about what you think but don't say it, you believe but won't discuss it, and you often feel but are too scared to share it. As always, I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli, and I am, of course, naturally delighted that you could join me once again. Today, I'm going to be sharing uh, my discoveries about what it looks like to live in the present moment, but more so the fruits, uh, the good things that come out of making a choice to live life from that place. So I would like to invite you to sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and I, of course, like always, hope that you enjoy the show. So Shalom, here we are again. Thank you once again for joining me. Uh, before I get onto uh, the topic today that I want to share with you, I just want to give a quick shout out to my friend Buzz Leonard and Jim Canfield and uh, also Brad Stewart, uh, three brothers, three fellows who uh, are living in Seattle, Washington, out there on the west coast of America. But they were here last week uh, in Israel and uh, I spent time with all three of them, but in particularly with Buzz and, and Jim. And I just want to I just want to thank you guys for taking the time to come out and also making the effort while you were here to reach out and to spend some time with me. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, I learned a lot from you guys. Um, and I, of course, look forward to making those times together happen again. Now, um, over the years, um, people have asked me, you know, Pablo, you speak about um, that the kingdom of heaven is within us, but more in particularly, you speak about the kingdom of heaven as in Jesus saying, like Jesus said, it is right here and it is right now. Now, um, I read over that scripture for years and years and years, and it meant absolutely nothing to me while I was, of course, uh, busy trying to earn my salvation, trying to justify why I should remain saved. Um, and um, I was playing this uh, spiritual, you know, uh, game with God, uh, which mirrored more a schizophrenic relationship than any real game, really. But that it was mainly based on, you know, my behavior and how well uh, I did at that. So naturally for me, it was always about controlling uh, my life and manipulating it and somehow being able to create a future that would somehow um, keep me in this uh, favorable position, uh, but would also at the same time, almost like cover up, redeem, uh, fix, patch up, uh, if you like, wipe away um, the past that I was, of course, ashamed of uh, and that I obviously didn't really want to uh, relive in the future, but I wanted to, of course, uh, be better at it. So um, when we live this way, um, we, of course, are always living out of our minds because our minds, as, uh, as most of us probably know, they are the place that we need to go into if we're going to think about the future or we're going to remember the past. Because, of course, the mind requires an event in order to function, and those can only be found in the past or in the future. Our hearts, on the other hand, are a part of us that are eternal. So in there, we are happy with eternity. And eternity, at the end of the day, 
it's a place where there is no time, there is no events, there is just the moment. So the future, if you like, in eternity, it's a moment that hasn't happened yet. And the past is a moment that already happened. It is not seen as a beginning and an end like we see our lives here when we look at it from our minds, you know, like we are, have a beginning when we are born and have an end when we die. In eternity, it's just eternity. There's no beginning, there's no end, there's just eternity. And so when we are, of course, functioning on a performance uh, situation, we spend 99% of our time, obviously, in our minds. Now, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you and it is right here and right now. Now, I've had hundreds of people, of course, after I wrote my first book, ask me, Pablo, what does that look like? Give us a, a picture of what it looks like in, 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 in life, uh, in circumstances to actually experience that and be able to not only understand what Jesus is saying to us, but to be able to experience it on our daily lives, moment by moment, which is really what our relationship with Jesus is supposed to be like as we follow him, but also what the real gospel was, you know, was for, to bring an experience into our lives, an experience, because of course I've said this before and I'll say it again, the most important things, the, the things that really transform us in life, they're not taught, they're caught. And the only way you catch things is about being around somebody um, and being able to experience that person. And then suddenly those things are caught, like we catch a cold. You can't learn a cold. You catch it by being around a person enough. And then suddenly they give you what they have. They almost like activate the virus within you. And when we are around Jesus in real time, in the moment, he not only... Um, we not only catch things from him, but he activates things within us. Uh, you know, he activates our hearts. He, he brings resurrection to those parts of our hearts that are shut down. He heals, he brings his healing and heals those parts of our lives that are wounded and broken down. Suddenly, um, we no longer try and control our lives because we also see that he's not trying to control us. So we suddenly are able to let go of this need to manipulate and control our lives. And so as we do that, we let go of living all the time from our minds because we let go of the future. We start to trust him and have faith. And we also trust him with our past to know that when he said the work is finished, it is truly finished and it has taken care of, of all the bad, good or whatever things we've done in the past. And of course, we will do in the future. So... Suddenly, then we are released to come into this present moment. And, um, and so we no longer uh, are processing from our minds, but now we're observing, we're discovering, and we are living from and out of our hearts. Now, I'd like you to just think with me um, a picture. Um, and you can draw this on a piece of paper if you like. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to draw a path uh, and to each side of that path, two ditches, a ditch on each side, okay? The, the ditch on the, on the left, I want you to, um, to label it a resignation. And the ditch on the right, I want you to label it control, all right? And then in the middle, I want you to put surrender. Now, this is the most practical way that I know how to explain what needs to happen or what it looks like for us 
to be able to not only live, experience and function and have the flavor of the kingdom within us be uh, mari- ha- um, have that flavor marinate every area of our lives as it flows out, but what it looks like also to, all, to, to experience this kingdom that is right here, right now. Now, when we live from our minds, as I explained earlier, we are either in the future, so we're on the ditch of control, or we are in the past, in the ditch of resignation. Okay? So, when we try and manipulate and, 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 and force life, okay, and force God and force ourselves to fit into a certain model, this ideal that we fabricate in our minds, that if we're able to somehow fit into that, right, then life will be good, we will be happy and at peace, we are going to be in the future, okay? And we're going to be trying to plan, to strategize, uh, we'll even set goals to try and achieve these things, and we will remain there most of the time thinking about how can we better happen, what else can we do, okay? As we all know, most of the time, for most of us, that ends up in frustration, disappointment, and what we know as failure. When that happens, we tend to resign ourselves. Now, this resignation for some of us, for most of us, I would say is temporary. For some of us, depending on what that failure is or what that, you know, obviously experience is, it can become permanent. All right. But for most of us, it's a temporary thing that we also know about as feeling sorry for ourselves because things didn't work out the way we wanted them to, the way we were told they were supposed to. And maybe perhaps they didn't work out the way that they worked out for your friend Harry down the road. Okay, and so we now are in this ditch here on the left side of resignation and we will stay there until we you know, regain strength. Somehow we are told maybe somebody speaks to us, encourages us, you know, time goes by and we kind of regenerate our strength and then we try again to make a go. And then we go right back over to try and fabricate and we, you know, we have the whole cycle again and again. Now, if you think about a pendulum, a pendulum, uh, if, you, uh, if you allow it to, uh, to rest in the middle, okay, just rest, it will just rest in the middle. It will not be to the right or to the left. Even if you start to move it, eventually it will become still in the middle. Now, the only way a pendulum can hang around uh, and stay at the right side uh, or on the left side is if you actually hold it there, okay? Now, in our lives, we are constantly going from one side, the right side, which is control, to resignation and from resignation to control, okay? We are the ones that hold ourselves there, and that's why those two are, things are ditches, because in ditches, you're stuck. You, you, you can't move out of there. There's not a lot that can happen in a ditch. If you want there to be um, momentum again in your life, you gotta get out of the ditch, okay? But the problem with most of us, and why we have so much action in our lives, but no momentum, is because we keep going from one ditch to the other. The only things that change are our emotions, how we feel about ourselves, our perspective, where we find ourselves. But the reality is there's a lot of action on both sides and we spend a lot of energy and emotional energy and and even, you know, financial energy and, and, and substance. But the reality is there's no momentum. But I know for my life that every time I used to go from one end to the other, 
I used to go through this middle space where I would suddenly find this rest, this peace. It was almost as if I had made a decision that I was not going to feel sorry for myself anymore, that I was just going to trust God and I was just going to you know, see how it went and where it went and I was just going to follow his lead. And I had this incredible stillness, just like the pendulum when it comes to the rest in the middle. And isn't that great because what Jesus, what uh, God said to David, be still. So this pendulum suddenly begins to rest in the middle. But of course, you know, life starts to happen. We read something on the Internet. We hear a preacher give us seven keys again of how we can make God do certain things for us. Or we hear, uh, you know, one of these gurus, uh, Tony Robbins or other people tell us the three steps to succeed to succeed in life. And suddenly we be, you know, our false identity begins to get reinvigorated again. Our ego, which is obviously residing mostly in our minds, he begins to again get you know, encouraged. He begins to boost himself and he goes, right, let's do this. And we put a plan together and boom, we're gone. And again, we've left not only circumstantially, but also personally, we've left this place of stillness and we're back again on this other side, trying to control life, trying to make life happen in our own terms, according to the ideals that we have convinced ourselves are what going to improve our lives and make our lives happy and at peace. Now, for me, I lived this way for most of my life until I, of course, had a breakdown. And if you want to learn more about how that, what that looked like and what happened, you can buy my first book, Holding On Loosely. I, I actually basically didn't just, um, I didn't give up in life more than I just gave up on this journey with God from here to there, all the time performing, and all it would actually do, it would just be, it would just make me um, a person that was more absent, that was more afraid, that was more worried, that was more anxious, and that really, um, you know, pretended to be somebody, but in reality, within, he was just degrading himself more and more with every passing day, with every attempt, with every transfer from resignation to control and from control to resignation. Now, I basically told God um, in no uncertain terms to take a hike. Okay, now if I, I could use the language that I used in the bathroom of an airplane when I did that, but I know that some of you might find it offensive and you'll probably only remember the words that I use and miss the rest of the podcast. And I don't want you to do that. So I'll just tell you, I'll leave it as I told God to take a hike. Uh, and I totally gave up. I gave up on him. I gave up on my Bible. I gave up on every Christian I knew. I gave up on everything. I was sick and tired of my religious practices. I have had enough. I was, I was, I was done. I was absolutely done with it. Okay. So I got back to my seat on the plane. I sat down. And for the first time in my life, I began to feel that same peace, that same stillness. But I began to feel this sense of being wanted and loved, which kind of mirrored the same thing I felt every time I went from resignation to control and to control to resignation. I began to, and I used to feel it for a little bit. I began to feel it. And I felt it and I felt and this went on and on and on and on. And I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I just woke up 
okay? And I did what was before me. And for the first time in my life, I began to feel loved. Now, if we, if we take the view that, of course, life is only going to happen if we make it happen, you know, uh, what will happen with our lives? Yeah, we probably will achieve some things and we will reach some goals. But our lives will never fulfill the destinies that God has prepared for us individually. Okay? And of course, the, uh, the blessing that comes out of that, that multiplies out of your own individual journey and you fulfilling the destiny that God has for you, the blessing for others and the way that that will encourage other destinies to fulfill themselves, that won't happen either through your experience. Okay? And so... What will happen is we will be the kind of people that won't get thrown in jail like Joseph. Instead of remaining in jail, present, doing what's before us and getting up and doing it to the best of our abilities, right? We will try and jump the wall and run away from the prison. Now, think about Joseph if he did that. If Joseph escaped prison, and let's be honest, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I could not blame Joseph for wanting to escape a place, first of all, that he's in. And you didn't do anything to be there. But second, you could just imagine the condition of that jail. I mean, it would look, a modern jail looked like a five-star hotel. Let's be honest. You could not blame the man for not only trying and thinking, but actually escaping from there. Yet, if Joseph would have done that, he would have missed his appointment with destiny. And he could have never gone back to the place where, of course, he would have been a wanted man, where his destiny was basically prepared for him and where he would be in go with the years of his life that would be significant not only for him and his family but also for the people of Israel would have not taken place through his life. He would have never experienced it. So again, you know, the Bible says that many uh, many are cho- um, many are called, few are chosen, okay? Now, the few that are chosen, they are willing to be present. They are willing to move with God, surrendered to the moment, and wait for God, their destiny, to come and get them, to meet them. It's almost like a a lane in the highway that merges. You are traveling, you're following Jesus, and suddenly your destiny merges with you, and you, boom, you're in that place where you begin to live out that part of your life that will be this most significant and that will impact other people's lives and it will be the very thing that people will remember you. Because remember, people will never remember anyone for what they did for themselves, okay? And normally, if we are honest, what we spend doing with our minds about manipulating the future, controlling it, and trying to fix the past, that's all about us. People will only remember the things that we did for others. And normally that is not inspired by our ego, but that is it's inspired and it flows out of our heart where we are within the moment living out of the reality and in the reality of the kingdom right here, right now. Now, so we are we let go, right? We, we, we lose our grip. Okay, from our for our lives. And the thing that the beautiful thing that happens when we lose our grip from this need to control or resign ourselves is we can let go of what has been 
and new things can flow into our lives, okay? So when we do that, we find ourselves, which is where I found myself on that plane, in that middle path, which is, I believe, the road of grace, which I believe is accessed, not through manipulation, not through control, not by feeling sorry, not by trying to qualify ourselves or, not, or disqualify ourselves or forcing ourselves, but it is accessed by surrender. Now, the surrender that I like to talk about is not the kind that you sit on the corner like a lemon and wait for God to do everything. I believe the surrender God calls us to is called it's active surrender. Okay, so what does that look like? That looks like this. We wake up. We all have things to do in life. We go and do those to the best of our abilities. But we're also fully aware. We're fully awake. We're in the moment. And so we allow God to interject our day and show us and speak to us and give us and, and do something new in us. Okay. And so what that means is that we are taking the next step that is before us. Right. And we always we normally take it not because it's the obvious step, but because it's the only step that we have to take. But we also take it with the attitude that we're not expecting it to deliver certain things before we take it. And we don't take it because we think, well, that is the next natural step that I need to take in order to achieve this, this grand plan, this grand scheme that I have. And unless it makes sense to take that step, well, you know, what's the point of taking it? No. Surrender takes the next step that God shows you because he showed it to you and you take it by faith. Okay. I know in my own life, the biggest opportunities that I have been able to make the most of and that have impacted my life and who I am and, and have made the biggest difference to who I am today. They normally, those steps have come dressed in overalls and have looked like hard work and they have not promised much when I was presented with the opportunity to take the step and go into those spaces. So surrender is about not taking it according to what we've planned, but trusting that God brings things into our lives and that because we are present in the moment, we're able to see what's from him and what's not. And what is from him, we're able to go into that, even if it doesn't make any sense to do so. Now, as I said to you at the beginning, there's a few scriptures that I want to cover and you'll, these are stories that are well known to all of us. And so you guys can go back and look at them. But the first story where Jesus um, is leading people in this manner uh, is seen when he sends out the disciples to go out and to preach the kingdom, to, to announce that the kingdom is here, to preach the good news that he had come to bring for those of us that, of course, you know, for the catacombs, for the poor, for the undocumented, for the unseen, for the unclean, for those people that were obviously seen as the lowest of society and that they have no hope. Uh, and so when the disciples are about to get ready for that, Jesus interjects and says to them, listen, don't take all these things with you. Travel light. In other words, don't try and plan for the journey ahead with things that are going to make the journey do this, do that, and do the other. But instead, just travel light. Whatever you will need will be provided for you. Now, I realize that what I'm talking about here goes very much against, uh, specifically in the West, 
the Western culture about preparation, about this. And, you know, if you fail to prepare, you know, you prepare to fail. And I get all of that. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with preparing yourself. If you're going on a journey, you're going to need boots. You're going to need things. Okay. But we're talking about a deeper thing here. We're talking about our lives. We're talking about our journeys following Christ. We're talking about living in the moment and experiencing him. And what I'm trying to say here is, if we want to have the best opportunity to trust God, we need to travel light. Traveling light enables us to find the narrow way and stay in it. When we carry so much with ourselves, which are things that we use to control our lives, that we use to uh, almost like improve the ability to control our lives, that protect our lives, that cover our lives, that do things like that. Normally those things are baggage that we carry. And there is no way, and I learned this, uh, and again, this lesson is on my second book, The Modern Fig Leaf. I learned that on the aisle of an airplane. Uh, you know, the narrow way is not, it isn't hard to find uh, and that you have to go through this major journey to find it and that, you know, only a few find it uh, and that only a few are successful in entering. And no, the reason why that narrow way is so hard to access it and to find it and go in it is because it doesn't allow us to go in there with all the baggage we carry. Okay, the only way that we can carry our baggage and we can move in life is through the big way, which leads to destruction. All right. Now, destruction, whatever that means, we can talk about that some other time. Let's not focus on that. But that is the thing. And I remember when God showed me this, I was entering an airplane and on the gateway, which is very wide, I had space for all the hand luggage I was carrying, which was actually excessive. But when I got on the plane and I entered into the narrow aisle of the airplane, there was no way that I could go through that aisle without bumping people, without falling from one side to the other. And essentially what it removed out of my life, it took me out of the moment. Okay, because I was too worried about the guy I was going to hit ahead of me. I was already apologizing to the guy I had hit behind me and it took me out of balance and I could not travel. So that, you know, if I could have gotten out of that narrow aisle and gone back again into the gate to get to my seat, I would have done it. So what needed to happen was I needed to get rid of my baggage. Now, there's a very big difference in life between luggage and baggage. Luggage is necessary. Baggage is optional. And that's why normally when we travel, it costs us a lot more than we are willing to pay. And it also demands our attention in ways that our luggage doesn't. Okay. And so I wonder today, because I knew him, I know in my life, and that's what waking up spiritually is about, to be able to remain, to discover the moment, to discover the kingdom, to live out of our hearts, and also to live in the kingdom right here and now. The way that happens is not by adding things into our life, not by learning more things and, and getting more knowledge. No, it is by shedding the things that get on the way from us being able to see that every single thing that we need to fulfill the destiny of our lives is already within us, packed within our hearts where we also find the kingdom. That's why it's incredibly important that we not only understand, but that we begin to experience our faith in the present moment, because it is only there that our faith will be uh, a faith that won't be taxing to us, uh, 
It won't be a faith that will take uh, our lives out of the moment. Uh, it, will be, it will be something that will produce much fruit, but we won't be trying to produce it because we will be too busy being present in the moment. Uh, if you like, taking our nutrition through the roots of our lives and our hearts through, from the king and the kingdom that is within there. And, and, and the fruits will just, will just be plenty and they will just expand and they will grow and many will come and eat from them and many will benefit from our lives because we will be present in the moment with God. And so finding the narrow way, it's about being in the moment. It's about being here, but it's about traveling light. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, travel light. Don't have so much that you take with you that is going to concern you and worry you about losing it and keeping it, right? That is going to take your ability to focus and see what God is doing right here, right now. In Matthew 6, also Jesus says, do not worry about what you will eat and wear, but focus first on seeking my, the kingdom and my, and my righteousness. I said, and don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Another translation in an Aramaic, he says, don't focus on what is or will be, focus on what God is doing right now. There's another scripture that says, he who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Again, once we get into the reality of the kingdom, if we start to look backwards in regret of what it could be, how we can use that reality suddenly to fix what we're ashamed and, and we want to repair for ourselves, we are not able to experience and stay within that reality of the kingdom. We take ourselves out. Always remember the kingdom is a reality and we need eyes to see it, ears to hear it, and a heart that understands it and a spirit that is aware of it. So the kingdom is not a place only that we get to when we die, but the kingdom is a reality that is right here, right now. And we're either living in it and out of it, or we are completely absent and missing it. And that is why th th there is no real in between with this one. And that is why Jesus said to the people, don't worry about what you're gonna eat and wear, which is either you have it or you don't. Focus a third way. And this third way, things are added onto our lives. It's an indirect consequence of what we choose and how we choose to live. All right. So it's important when we feel that we pray and we feel God's not there or he's not listening to us. It isn't that God is not there and he's not listening to us. It is that we are not there and we are not listening to him. When we feel that God is absent and he's far away and he's gone, it isn't that God is gone and far away. It is us that are gone and are far away from the present moment and what is happening right here and right now. Um, I always um, leave you with a story and um, I want to share a particular story in my life uh, and I want to share two stories which are complementary to each other, which what what is it what happens and the way that we begin to process life and understand life. Because, of course, that's what God means uh, when he says, you know, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He's not trying to say I'm superior than you. Yes, he is. But he's not trying to make us feel little and inferior. What he's saying is, listen, guys, my, my way of seeing, my way of processing the kingdom way is a higher way of seeing, is a higher way of processing life, is a higher way of thinking than the one that we 
um, adhere to here on the earth ourselves and the reality that we live, which is largely illusion of what we think we can control and it produces negative reactions in us where we emotionally resign ourselves. And these sort of games we play in life when we go from one end to the other, when we're totally absent, eventually... Uh, you know, they take us to places which are unhealthy for us spiritually, emotionally, and even affect our health indirectly. All right. That is what the fall means, right? Adam falls. What does that mean? He falls. He goes from his ability to like God, to, to have higher thoughts and to and to obviously see things in a higher way. He falls down to this reality that we're in. He falls and he's no longer able to not only live and process life and see life in the way that he was doing it at the garden, largely because he chose performance over trust. Yeah, he chose the rules because it gave him the false sense that if he fulfilled them, he will be in control. And then therefore, why would he need God? Instead of, of course, trusting God and trusting him and trusting in what God was telling him and who he was in God and who God was in him. So important to understand that, okay, before I go into the story. Uh, and the story goes as follows. Now, um, I said a little bit earlier that I was going to share two stories, but as I have been speaking, I feel led, and suddenly this one story has come up where this principle really applies itself really well. And because that principle, uh, that reality in my life was present that day, I'm actually alive today and I'm able to be doing this podcast. So I think it was, it's pretty, it's pretty relevant. I share that one and I, I feel be, you know, led to share it. So this story happened uh, eight years ago while I was in Colombia visiting that country, that beautiful country with my wife. Uh, and uh, we were picked up from the airport. We were uh, obviously driven to the, to the hotel. And when we got to the hotel, what we didn't realize was that we had been followed by a gang of thieves in another car all the way from the airport to the hotel, which was about a 30-35 minute journey. Now, when we arrived at the hotel, we obviously got out. Uh, we, we were talking to our hosts. You know, the porter came out. He took a few bags inside. Um, and, uh, and obviously, you know, we remained outside. And before we knew it, these two guys had crept up. And one of them pulls a gun out. And he says to me, and obviously the language he used was uh, very flowery. And it was in Spanish, so, you know, most of you probably won't understand it if I say it. But if you do understand Spanish, I'm not going to use it because it wasn't very nice at all. And I won't bother translating it either. But let's just say it wasn't, you know, very, very kind language. So he looked at me and he obviously said to me, you know, give me everything you have uh, or I'm going to kill you. Now, when, uh, when he obviously uh, engaged, it, engaged us, everybody froze. For myself, I became incredibly present, even more present than I normally live. Suddenly, time stood still. And I looked at the guy and I could see the fear in his eyes. Um, and I said to him, listen, just, uh, just take whatever you need and, and, you know, and just leave us alone. And the guy says to me, you know, what the heck are you so calm about? I am going to kill you. And, and I said to him, well, you don't want to do that because if you do that, you know, we're tourists and you know that people are going to look for you. Our governments are going to want you to be found. And it, it's just not worth it. Just take the stuff and go. 
Now the guy then turns over to the other side and he points his gun to my Colombian friend who, who looks absolutely white. Um, and I begin to think, if I kick this guy on the wrist, I'll get his gun, I'll get, you know, his gun will come off his hand. And then at least we have a chance to, you know, to either run away or even keep our stuff, you know, and then we'll, we won't be robbed. But no sooner I'm beginning to entertain uh, and play around with the idea of kicking this guy in the wrist, he, po- he turns around and points the gun back at me. Anyways, he took most of our stuff. Um, I would say 75% of our stuff. But then after that, we went to the, to the police station. And at the police station, we sat down, we did the report, uh, which is normally a waste of time, but we had to do it for insurance reasons. And um, the police officer, you know, at the end of the conversation, he says to me, you know, I I am amazed that they didn't kill you. And we said to him, what do you mean? He says, well, normally what is happening here is they are killing people and then they're taking their stuff because mainly tourists that what happens is they uh, they become very panicky. Also, local people, they start shouting, they start, you know, obviously bringing a lot of attention to the situation. And so the thieves just kill them to get them to shut up and take their stuff. And he says, I'm funny enough, three days ago, um, a Mexican uh, gentleman with his daughter, they were murdered uh, so that the thieves could take 200 euros from them. You had a lot more than that in your baggage and your personal belongings and stuff. And yet they didn't touch you. And then the policeman says to me, he says, you know, you know, sir, he says, I believe the reason they didn't do it was because you stayed so calm and you started talking to him. And by talking to him, you distracted him and you obviously took him out of his routine of what he normally does. And he couldn't understand why you were so calm and confident. He probably thought there were other people either coming or there was someone else on the way. And so he just tried to get out there as soon as possible and took whatever he could. Now, you see, if I would have panicked, which normally panic and fear have to do with imagining a future that hasn't happened yet. And naturally, when somebody puts their gun to your head, it's very easy to become very absent and very scared. Now, I I need to, to, to sort of, because I don't want people to start thinking I'm Superman. I did feel an overwhelming dose of fear. But I didn't react to it and I didn't attach to it because I remained present and in contact with something that is far greater than any fear that can come upon us. And that is, of course, the kingdom that is within me and the love that that kingdom carries within itself. And as we know, love always overcomes fear. Love is far more powerful than fear. And it was out of that place that I was able to remain present. Now. This kind of presence, this kind of stillness doesn't happen overnight. It is the consequence of practicing it every day for many, many years and choosing to live out of that place, ignoring my ego that often goes in overdrive and is telling me I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. I need to do more things. I need to try harder. Ignoring that and just continuing to be still and hearing the voice of God tell me, Pablo, The results in your life are my responsibility. They belong to me. The harvest is for me to give. You just continue to relate with me, continue to trust me, continue to live with me and meet with me and fellowship with me in the moment. And life will happen. Life will take care of itself. The results of your life will take care of themselves. And just like that day that I was able to not only 
through being, you know, acting the way, being proactive instead of reactive, because that's another thing that happens when we are present. We become proactive people, not reactive, right? I not only spared my life, but I spared the life of others. And <clears throat> what a picture, isn't it? And also in my own personal life, as I have continued to practice this, my life is becoming you know, the, the territory of influence of my life is continues to multiply and grow more and more with each passing day, whether it's these podcasts, whether it's the coaching I do uh, through the internet, whether it's my books, whether it's the retreats that we do here in Israel, whether it's Living Love, which is a new project that I just launched, um, which is a, an apparel um, uh, line, which is meant to enable us to share the silent echo of our heartbeat without having to say anything, but just wearing a t-shirt and, and inviting people to consider perhaps perspectives they never have because of what's on the t-shirts. And I encourage you to check it out if you haven't already called livinglove.org. And the living is without a G uh, at the end. So it's livinglove.org. I'm sorry I'm taking the chance here to kind of promote my thing. But what I'm trying to say is God continues to give me these ideas, he continues to make the way and he continues to bless the things that I'm doing. Why? I believe because I'm more concerned about being in the present moment with him. And as I do that, I'm taking the steps that he shows me and then the things that I need, like Jesus promised they would be, are being added onto my life. So I just hope that this has encouraged you, um, that uh, it has invited you to consider perhaps perspectives you haven't been considering before, or perhaps has encouraged you to continue to consider perhaps new perspectives and new dimensions that you've just started to consider and explore in your own life. Um, so for me, I want to say thank you for listening. I, I ask God that he will give you the ability to have not a successful week until we meet again next week, but a present week that you will be able to know and experience in real time how well and how much he loves you and that you will find the amazing encouragement, the empowerment that knowing and understanding and experiencing that love in the moment gives each person in their lives to go on and see things happen through their lives that are beyond any goal setting scheme, any ladder, any mountain we can climb, anything we can do for ourselves. Because these, my friends, are the moments and the lives that we live in this road of surrender, which is empowered by grace and led by the love of God. Until next time, I send you my shalom and my peace. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. We have come to the end of another episode, and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable, a blessing, but above all else, it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before. For more information about The Zone Project, this podcast, and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis, please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links. As for me, I hope that you can join me again, so until next time, thank you and Shalom.